she comes on like a rose, but everybody knows she'll get you in touch. You can look, but you better not touch. Poison And here we are, another referral slip from the VD Clinic. I'm Vanessa, and with me as always is Darren. Darren, how are you? I am caffeinated. How are you? <laughs> That's exactly what I am. Caffeinated. <laughs> we were just having that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I don't, I, we're pretty chill. I don't know if you want us very uncaffeinated, to be honest. Well, that, that's the, uh, excuse, whatever, down the hall. Um, Somebody threw a pot down the hall. No, my neighbors just moved in and, yeah, at least the they stopped. The, yeah, at least they stopped the drilling. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I think everyone needs at least me caffeinated to some degree because it's just, I, I'm a mess when I'm not at least a little caffeinated. But I have this habit of making the coffee with chicory the new orleans style and where it's even though i put a little milk and sugar in it it's still super strong <laughs> so it's like i put an iv of caffeine in me and just a jolt <laughs> yeah anyway darren how are you i know you said you're caffeinated but other than that how are you i am on the mend I don't yes. know if it was being around all those sick bastards in D.C. or, you know, just airplane travel or having a four-year-old mm -hmm. that goes in public. But I was sick as fuck last week. I just, I love your little, uh, you're your talking about your, your child and going through uh, the traveling with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the expletives. <laughs> oh. not, on, not from you, <laughs> from him. Yeah, not from me. The, yeah, well, we're all friends here. Uh, we figured out that the trip was possibly one day too long when I found myself carrying him through the terminal at the airport, getting called a friggin' fucker. Very loudly, because his mom had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just glad that I am not blamed for his dirty mouth. And it's probably not my fault. Sure. Uh, he's probably picked up, well, he didn't get it right, but I, I'm more of a pedestrian 
person. Uh, mm -hmm. He and I walk a lot of places together. Right. And he rides on my shoulders a lot now. And sometimes I forget, you know, because he's still not that heavy. Um, but, you know, people love to drive through crosswalks no matter what, no matter what the light signal is, whatever. So if I feel threatened by a vehicle, I give them the good old American salute of the middle finger. Uh, if you didn't know what that was from Grandpa Wilson over here. Um, <laughs> or caffeinated Wilson. That's I guess more like it. So sometimes when a car gets too close to us, he'll stick up his pointer finger. He'll just stick it up and point it at the car. Like, mm. so he's picked up obscene gestures from me, but he doesn't have it right. So still, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where well, he got his bad, well, not bad language, but he doesn't talk is, like that at school. The thing is, is that, okay, see, that's the good thing. Kids are going to pick it up any number of places, okay? No matter how much you try to shelter them. They're going to pick it up somewhere, yeah. okay? And you talking about walking down the street, that is inevitable. And walking through a crosswalk, of course. Yeah, sure, it's inevitable. Not necessarily coming from you. But as long as the kid knows not to say it at school and like to other adults, <laughs> I think it's fine. You know, I had a kid that I babysat for and when I lived in Cincinnati and he was probably six and I'd pick him up from school and he all of a sudden had discovered how to flip people off. Uh, so he's sitting in the back seat and he's like, Hey, Vanessa, Hey, Hey. And he, and I look back and he like slowly like flips me the bird and he has this really like shy mischievous look and, and everything and, and everything. And I'm just like, and he looks like this complete imp and, but he's still like such a good kid when it comes down to it. Cause yeah. he, he knows not to, you know, anyway. And I, and I, and I said, yeah, Hey, and I'm not going to say his name, but I looked at him and I flipped him right off. <laughs> I looked at it right back to him. And I, and I, and we both started laughing and I said, you know, it's okay. I said, that's, you know, one way to express yourself. I said, however, you just have to know, don't do it at school. And don't do it around, I'm like, most adults don't want you to do that. So just be aware of that and your situation. You know, and when you explain to a child context of using things, they're okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah, tend, tend to be. And you know what? It's... And, and that goes a long way in explaining a lot of other life lessons, truthfully. Yeah, there's just some stuff, you know. That's fine. You know, it's fine to run around naked all day long, my young one. But, but you can't do that in public. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's things you do at home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is it, exactly. Is it true that the, or is that one of those urban legends, or not urban legends, uh, like old wives' tales, that the, and I don't know why it would be 
originated in places where I feel like it's the V for victory. But I had heard that the middle finger uh, thing was from one of the French and English skirmishes and had to do with archers. Have you heard of that? Uh, no. It was really quick. I forget where I saw <laughs> I, I even read it somewhere, but, you know, just reading it somewhere doesn't make it so. But um, the, the, during one of the battles, one side had planned to, like, chop off the finger the like i guess the middle finger is very important in archery yes so it was something like remove their middle fingers or you know capture their archers and chop off the and uh-huh. then, like before a battle like stuck up the middle finger like aha yeah but that just sounds too good to be true hmm robert Get on it. <laughs> Maybe that's true. Yeah. Somebody, somebody please write us in with insight on this situation because obviously I think there's a story to be had, but um, we are unaware of it. Yeah. But uh, long story short, I'm okay. How are you? Um, I actually took... Um, just a couple days off of work just to do nothing but hang around the house and do some errands. And so now this is like, um, on day number four of not having in a row, (laughs) in a row of not actually having to go into the office. And I have stopped myself from doing work on those days. I know it's going to change. Be- I, I still have another day before I have to go back to the office. But And I know before then, I, while I'm still home, I will be doing work at some point, sadly. But it has felt really good. And I have really, even though I've been doing just a lot of stuff around, you know, like, like basic errands and things. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've still managed to take time and relax and, uh, you know, whatever. But... Let's get into some referral slips. <laughs> I don't want to talk about. <laughs> I've actually, yeah, I guess that's um, some of what I am going to be talking about today has come out of. Um, sorry, I'm. Uh, thank you, Zora. Claws. No, well, Zora was asleep on the ah. Uh, okay, now teeth and claws. Um, Zora was asleep on the wires to the headphones and <laughs> had me pulled in a strange position. Hmm. Anywho. Darren. Yes. So you said you have read something or started to read something. That sounds good. Please tell us. <laughs> ah, for uh, the thing I've just recently started reading is a book called Legacy of Ashes, The History of the CIA. Okay. Uh, it was written by Tim Weiner, or Weiner, whichever, W-E-I-N-E-R, mm-hmm. so Weiner? Yeah. Uh, he's a uh, Pulitzer Prize National Book Award uh, writer, Um but basically, the I mean, 
Legacy of Ashes, History of the CIA kind of explains itself, but it goes from, you know, its creation and spanning off of OSS and the Cold War and September 11th and all this other stuff. And it's it's pretty interesting, although maybe they wrote it and they're trying to throw us all off, or, but whatever. It does not paint the agency in a favorable light. Right. Which most people shouldn't expect it to. Uh, but it's it's compiled from, you know, something like 40 or 50,000 documents from the archives, hundreds and hundreds of interviews. I think there's even, I don't know, something like 10 directors of Central Intelligence, their interviews. And those documents are all compiled to sort of paint this history of things. I, I, I'm right now. I am not very far. I'm I'm to Eisenhower. Uh-huh. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's just you know pretty interesting. And I I sort of made myself double check that you know during all the stuff that's going on here in the states, which affects everywhere else because we're a big loudmouth of a country um yeah. but yeah you know, i i feel like i didn't necessarily have a whole lot of faith in our uh intelligence agencies or that they have the best my best interests in mind mm-hmm. but i felt like i i wanted to get one of those um refresher courses <laughs> As to how they operate, since there's so many change-ups and so many things are going on now that remind me of the Cold War. Yeah. Oh, definitely. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, of course, there's some, you know, like World War II, but especially there's a lot of stuff going on that just make me think of the Cold War. So, uh, I was, I sort of tossed a coin between this and a really in-depth exploration of like guys that ran the concentration camps mm-hmm. and I just didn't have that level in me at the point at this point. Mm. Okay. So it's okay. It's maybe 10 years old. So a little light reading? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> a little light reading, like I always do. Well, I mean, I'm also rereading uh, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe by Douglas Adams. Okay. Um, but I don't know if you ever read those that book series. Uh, the Hitchhiker's uh, Guide. I quadrilogy I, or whatever. I think I read some, but I never. It is just like bits and pieces. Okay. For whatever reason, I never completed it. I I, I just never got that into it. Um. I feel you. It's mostly, mostly dudes in those books. Yeah, maybe Although one very is very very important one woman, which I don't know if. Zoe Dashnell really brought her to light, but anyway, CIA, they do some sneaky fucking things. Really? Yep. 
Are you surprised? I heard you gasping. We are <laughs> all doing a collective gasp that. And they also were very bumbling at the beginning. And probably still now, but it it, it was there's just <laughs> like the the Korean uh operation before and during the beginning of the Korean War mm-hmm. is, was just like, okay, burn it to the ground and start over, but don't tell anybody sort of stuff. Yeah. Speaking of Legacy of Ashes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe that's one of the ways they got their name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun editing that, David. Sure. <laughs> so is that all is that all you had to say on that? For the book? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um I actually read something not assigned. Whoa, not assigned reading. And I picked it up and quickly devoured it. I mean it helped that it was, you know, a comic. I mean, it's manga. So um, I finally picked up my lesbian experience with loneliness oh, by yeah. uh, Nagata Kabi. And now I want to get the next one. Uh, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not, again... It, something like that it's very quick reading but a a lot of times even with those I'll pick them up put them down pick them up put them down and I really just went right through this and I think it for me and I know Robert Ward had actually I had been one person who had like uh suggested this to me um so I have to acknowledge that but and um there was something else he just I have to see the email. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, because he suggested something else. Anyway, um, it, I think a lot of people would say it's the queer aspect of it that I really connected with. But it actually, that part was, that wasn't so much, that wasn't as much of what it was about about it was more about her struggles with mental illness and in trying to figure out it like not knowing that you're mentally ill that you have a mental illness of some sort and it being untreated for years and this kind of going through like what's wrong with me. And then even after you are medicated or have gone through whatever talk therapy, still these lingering feelings. And I've had, and and I know I've talked about my own struggles before and, and I'm not exact, you know, in the exact situation of this, uh, this woman who wrote this because it's also, it's autobiographical um, for, for the author so, you know, but it's not the exact, whatever, same set of issues, but there were certain, 
like the last year particularly has been, it's been very trying for me because I, you know, I know I've said before, I've been working a lot. And, and so that of course takes stress on other parts of my life and different things. And, and whatever, blah, 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 then it ends up being, you know, <laughs> domino effect. And so I've just had some moments over the past year where I've like, even though I've been diagnosed for as bipolar for good, I don't know, 25 years, maybe, not quite. Um, I still go through the search of what's the right cocktail of medications to be on and, you know, what's the correct treatment path hmm. and everything. And... And there's just like one panel in this book that was just something like where she says something about like, why am I so bad at being alive? And I'm like, oh my God, I get that. Like it was just, it rang so true because even though in her, in this context of, the story and the book, it's a much more, she's in a much more, a much lower point than I am right now in my life. But I've also been having a lot of doubts about myself lately, you know, and, um, cause that's just, you know, that's just natural. Anytime you're under stress, you're like, wait a minute, am I managing everything right? Am I handling everything right? You know, <laughs> without mm. going you know, completely, especially when you do have some sort of mental health regimen that needs to be in check. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a, it's a tightrope you walk. And um, it can be very delicate at times. And so this was just... I don't know. It it really rang true at certain points where just the way her voice about mental illness, I think. And, and it's interesting, the reviews that I have seen about this, they haven't stressed that aspect of the book enough, which I think is a little disappointing um, because I think it's such a, it has such a powerful story. They acknowledge it, but they're like, oh, well, okay, it's only this one, you know, thing. And I'm like, no, actually, that's really the main aspect of what this story is about, you know. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that, so, yeah, that's my, that's what I have to, I recommend, I read and I have to recommend. So, cool. there you go. Yeah. So. Darren, um, I know you see, I know I told you I have a, a lot of stuff that I was going to recommend this time, but so I guess one thing, I, one more thing I'll recommend before we go to a break, um, unless you could think of something else that we didn't discuss beforehand. Mm. Okay. Go, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have, we all know my love of true crime. <laughs> slightly. And, slightly. And I, was it, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe, 
this or it might have been last year, a documentary came out, uh, put out by HBO Films called Mommy Dead and Dearest. And it's about this case of Dee Dee Blanchard, who, as it ended up, was a mother with Munchausen's by proxy and who had kept her daughter Gypsy Blanchard sick purposely for years and like deceived her daughter and the government and all this stuff and, and doctors and everything in this whole big elaborate scheme and and eventually spoiler haha uh, not spoiler <laughs> gypsy as she uncovers the truth um she gets a boyfriend online and they kill the mother so so anyway that happened well now and, and it's actually and it's really good but they now hulu has a has done an eight-part series called the act um sorry there is i think the music down the hall of my building but it's whatever it's a decent Saturday afternoon in New York. So I guess that means people are going to play music. Sorry. Yeah. You can barely hear it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, but anyway, so the, so now they've made like a kind of docudrama kind of thing, like inspired by a series on Hulu called the act. And it is as of recording, they have four episodes out and um, Patricia Arquette plays Dee Dee Blanchard and Joey King, who she's been in a, a, a bunch of different things, but I, I think a lot of people, I mean, like if you watch any kind of like family type movie, she was like in Ramona and Beezus. I remember her. I, for some reason, saw that movie. Don't ask me why outside my normal wheelhouse, but, <laughs> but when she was like a kid, but anyway, so she plays and, um, but Chloe Sevigny is in it as well. Uh, and a couple other like familiar faces, but oh my God. So it's really, I mean, it's so much the two of them and they just Patricia Arquette just acts the shit out of that role oh my god she's amazing and i know she just won the emmy for playing another role um like true life role uh, escape from danamora um which was i think a an hbo or showtime film or something and that's one i've been meaning to see because she, yeah apparently she was amazing in that and She's one of those actresses that pops up and just, I'm always like, I love, I love her work. And then I'm like, why don't I just seek out her work normally? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, but it's really good because it's, I mean, it's, a, yes. Okay. It's, there's certain fact aspects of it that are fictionalized, of course, for a narrative for television, but the truth of it is is stuff you can't make up it is and there's a lot it there's so much of it that is true yeah it's crazy it is crazy so i recommend i, I would actually yeah 
if you want to see the the I just recently rewatched the original documentary after I watched part four of the act, just because I was like, I wanted to remind myself of certain things. I was, and then I was like, well, it's actually certain things are more accurate than I expected. Hmm. So, yeah. So nice. Mm hmm. There. So. And I guess on that note, um, let's take a brief break and we will come back with um, a few more referral slips. Be right back. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. And we are obviously back, if you're hearing this. Um... I feel like we spoke a little bit about it on our Oscars discussion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Robert has asked specifically about it. I had at least one other person um, ask me to let them know when I saw it. And last night I watched Vice. Oh, yeah, I saw that. What'd you think? What'd you think? I am a fan. I am happy that I just went ahead and ordered the Blu-ray. Um, and that's how I got to watch it. I was really tempted. I ordered the Blu-ray and then I saw that I could buy the digital copy. But I don't know. The Blu-ray has a pretty cool deleted scene. Um, you've you've seen you've seen the movie. You saw the movie in the theater, right? No, I haven't. Still haven't seen it. Oh, you still haven't seen it. No. Oh, okay. Um, I told you. I, I told you that when we did the um, Oscar show. It was hard for me to keep. Like I'd seen I none know. of the Oscar movies, I, and you've seen I, most of them. No, this year I was so bad. I had se- I had seen barely any. I'm so bad. I mean, usually I see at least half, and mm-hmm. and I'll see all the documentaries. Like I, that's. I mean, usually that's my thing, and. No, not this year. I was so out of it. That's yeah. why I did so poorly with my Oscar picks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's directed by Adam McKay. It was it was nominated for an Oscar. Christian Bale, I think, did a pretty good job playing young to old Dick Cheney in all his grumbly evil. 
Um, you know, Steve Carell is Donald Rumsfeld. Sam Rockwell comes back and plays W. Um, Amy Adams is Lynn Cheney. Uh, fucking who else? I mean, there's so many people in there. No, it's Tyler Perry plays Colin Powell. Yeah. Uh, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah, he does. Uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton plays Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, when I, I was like, when I heard that, I was like, what? Because I saw a scene from it and I didn't know it was Tyler Perry right away. I was like, what? Because you're he's not doing stupid Medea shit. Like, you have some talent. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but. Um, but it's anyway it's we it's it's well well it's it's a pretty movie it's funny it's relatively accurate of course there's points where they're like we have no idea what they talked about but sometimes it's like we can't exactly say what they said in this situation because they lost 22 million emails and turned off archiving on their you know this and that and the other thing there's a decent amount of facts thrown through um like i said there there is a deleted scene that's on the blu-ray i don't know if it's on any digital purchase options where rumsfeld is teaching dick cheney it's a musical number where rumsfeld steve carell is teaching christian bale dick cheney how Washington works and they're I'm in the, just they're in the cafeteria. To, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just trying to picture in my mind, Steve Carell as Rumspell. <laughs> like, like uh, that's what I just, that's where I get hung up, I guess on some of the casting, but I'm, I know he can pull off certain character work, yeah. but I, just Rumsfeld specifically is what I'm saying. He's he gets more of the spirit of Rumsfeld than okay. the look. He does have glasses in the yeah. movie. But I fi- I think the guy that plays Paul Wolfowitz mm-hmm. looks like uh, before they said his name, I said, Oh, there he is. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. But yeah. Some of the people are just like, and here is so and so. And and truthfully, I'm one of those people that Ultimately, if you get the spirit of the person down and like their movements and their manner of speech, like that carries a performance a long way. Yeah. For me, it doesn't have to look like, you know, like they could be their assassination double. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to look that close. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like he captured because, I mean, the Bush administration is so seared in my memory that <laughs> mine too. Right. But even Zora worry, agreed not... with, even Zora agreed with that. <laughs> but don't worry, it's not Steve Carell doing the singing. Yes. Um, no. But yeah, they just said I we had to cut it. But here it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's trippy and weird and you know they sort of break in and out of narrative not necessarily in and out of narrative structure in the in the movie but there is a person that is sort of doing the narration 
and you find out later who who it is and why and everything but um yeah i i liked it i would definitely watch it again if even if i didn't plan to totally cover it on a podcast at some point you know just for i don't, I don't want to say enjoyment because it's very factual about dick cheney well it's a certain amount of fascination yeah i guess that that would be no it, it, again it's the same it's i who was i talking to it might have been talking to david about this the other day where i was talking about documentaries and if something was like a documentary about child abuse and i'm like it's a really good documentary i said well as good as a documentary about child abuse can be. I mean, I'm saying it's a horrible subject. Of course, it's grim and terrible, but it's a really good documentary when you're talking about style and the way the story and narrative and everything is case is presented. You know, <laughs> that's what I mean. And, and I enjoy that. And there are certain documentaries that I've seen like that where like capturing the Freedmen's is an excellent documentary dark and depressing as hell and i go back and rewatch it but it's a long time in between times you know but you know it's not a yeah that's how i feel about the bush administration (laughs) well comparing it to child abuse (laughs) i mean there's there's some truth to that uh at least this is not a documentary. This is at least a little fictionalized and maybe <laughs> better written with the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like it's more... Because I also watched, not recently, but after it came out, I watched W. Mm-hmm. And right. I had trouble um, deciding whether or not Oliver Stone liked or didn't like Bush. Right? You know, from, from that. This is... It, I mean, I think somebody even says it somewhere in the movie, but, you know, it's relatively factually based. So sorry if that seems like a liberal standpoint, but yeah. it's, uh, that's, yeah, it's something that happened. So it's just, sorry if you were an asshole and we showed that you're an asshole. Right, right. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I feel like you were building towards your, your next referral. So anyway, (laughs) on a, uh, more lighthearted note, I have, so it came out last fall, this documentary. And so I'd been wanting to see it, but I didn't get to see it when it was in theater, and now it just popped up on Hulu. I've been watching on a lot of Hulu lately, if you can't tell, which you will be able to tell by my third choice of uh, like film as well. <laughs> um, so this popped up on net uh, on Hulu recently. Um, the Joan Jett documentary, Bad Reputation. And oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, and I know. I mean, I'm a fan of Joan Jett. I've seen her in concert and um, followed her career like over the years, like Runaways, 
through like, yeah, to now, all, you know, all the different eras. And, um, and I knew a lot of these aspects of the story, but it was not, it was nicely put together. And some of the interviews that they had were really good. Um, they, you know, there are a lot of familiar faces, um, of course, but then, you know, then they kind of will throw someone in there that you're like, wait, that's, you forget like, oh yeah, Joan Jett was in that 80s movie Light of Day with Michael J. Fox. And so there's Michael J. Fox sitting there talking about them making a movie together, you know. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that was on Hulu now. I've been meaning to watch it, but I know Mando will so, kill me if I watch it without her. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I, I highly recommend it. It's, um, again, even if you know different things, it's it's... I, it's nicely put together uh, it, as far as putting everything into a cohesive package about the journey of her career and her influence on music too uh, during that time period. And it, it examines a, a certain amount of like the, I mean, the sexism that she really has faced over the years in the industry um, and how she's, helped other like female musicians with that and even like when like you had laura jane grace come out as trans she was one of the biggest like music like proponents of her at like transitioning and, and being an out trans woman and you know in trying to gain that acceptance in the musical space as well so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting the, to see, you know, they, they get a little, you know, and, and they do talk, you know, of course, about her, a little bit about her animal activism too, but, um, but they don't go, they don't go like into personal life for her, like, but she pretty much comes across as someone who is like, has said long ago, like, no, I don't, I don't want a personal life. My music is my life. Right. My personal life. Like, it, it's like, she, that's what she's just chosen. And, you know, and of course, I'm sure she has more outside of her life other than this, but they don't, you know, they don't delve into that in the documentary, which is fine. Because it's really about the music and how, how she, you know, it, she's impacted the, the industry. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, funny, funny how so many things are connected like that. I know you said, mm -hmm. you said how, how many times have you seen Joan Jett? I've only seen her twice. Okay. I've only seen her once, but Laura Jane yeah, Grace. I, and I saw out. her last, I saw her last summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. This yeah. was a couple of years ago at one mm -hmm. of the riot fests. I speak yeah. about riot fests a lot, but yeah, Laura Jane Grace came out and, did a song with her mm -hmm. and I'm actually wearing. Yeah. They have that in the film. Oh, cool. And I'm yeah, we... wearing an against me t-shirt <laughs> with George Bush on it. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's all tied together. Like you had planned it, Darren. Yeah, almost. Tying it to vice. Even. Yeah. yeah. Look, see without knowing it. Yeah. So yeah, 
So, and um, what else have you uh, been? You said you had another little something that you wanted to recommend. Yeah, just just really quick. I know we're getting on in the hour on here, but also speaking of music, I have had, in my past, I had quite a few restaurant jobs. Mm-hmm. And one of the weirdest was I was a dishwasher at a country club. And so many weird stories can come out of uh, can come out of that. I, I may get into them if they come up in other conversations. But I saw a document. Hmm? I have worked at a limited capacity at a country club too. But yeah. Now there's stories for other days. Continue. Yeah. When we do Caddyshack, or uh, perhaps. But. I saw this documentary, it was made by the CBC in Canada, or put out through them, or covered by them, but anyway, it's called Dish Pigs, and it's this 20-ish minute long documentary about dishwashers in professional restaurants, and it basically has three. There's the woman... Mm-hmm. who moved to Canada, but she's really into dancing and she's working as a dishwasher to, it's one of the jobs she it's in Montreal. Um, and she doesn't speak French well. So she had to find a job that she could do without speaking French. Well, uh, there's this really old guy that I could just see, you know, a very Quebecois or, French countryside kind of white haired guy that just knows everybody in his neighborhood and used to be a musician and he's just dishwasher because that's his path right now. That's his thing. And yeah, uh, there's a 20 or 30 year old guy that was a fuck up and then he friend got him a job. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, always one. There's always at least one of them. Yeah. So I, I just thought it was pretty cool. And it's free. And it's got a cool title. And- I never worked as a dishwasher, but I did work as a busser. Mm. And I was in this restaurant. It was like a four or five star restaurant or something like that. I, I think it was like five star or something. At a restaurant, and I was the first female busser they had ever had in their history, and they had been around for like fifty something years. Wow! <laughs> yeah, they never they'd never had a male server. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and then in the like upstairs section, which was like the even like whatever five star fancy fancy traditional French restaurant. They only let males be servers. Hmm. Yeah, and they and women could only be in limited capacity in the kitchen. It was re- it was really crazy. But, but yeah, Mike that Pence was in charge. Yeah, this was Cincinnati in the nineties. Well, maybe when did he join the Indiana House of Representatives? I don't know. They show that little fucker in the Vice movie. There's uh. Real and fake clips woven throughout. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. fuck Mike Pence. I feel like we have to say that every day. But uh, 
I prefer just to, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, one last one last uh, recommendation before uh, we wrap things up. Okay, so I hadn't planned on doing another recommendation, but uh, I was had my little days off that I this week so far, and again I'm watching Hulu a lot, and they added well. Although I don't know when they added this, but I just noticed it at least because I was looking through more movies after I saw that they had the Joan Jett one documentary on there. And it popped up maybe because I selected the Joan Jett documentary. <laughs> that could be it too. But it there's another documentary, music related, that popped up. And female musicians called Here to Be Heard, The Story of the Slits. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all about the kind of punk group, the Slits, and punk, yeah, yeah, reggae, kind of whatever other nebulous category of music they could even go into, you know, they were, they got to be, I guess, a little bit more experimental than some other bands of that era, but, um, Anyway, it was really interesting, and it's good to see that they have this aspect of music history documentary. It's really important because of the punk scene, we, we don't hear, you only hear so much about females in musicians, like, in general, but then narrow it down to the punk scene like be like pre-riot girl okay <laughs> but it really you it, it's like okay it's like an even smaller amount of group and then when you're talking about punk scene it's what i think is in the zeitgeist if you want to use that word the thank you zora uh is you know you hear about okay Debbie Harry from Blondie. You hear, you know, Joan Jett kind of, because she was more the punk aspect of the Runaways. Yeah. Um, Patty you know, Smith. Patty Smith. Hunt. Exactly. But they're American. You don't hear so much outside of that, even though what you hear, you hear of the punk scene coming from England, you hear enough you know, plenty with obviously the Sex Pistols because they were the most, they made them, Zora, really? <laughs> Sorry. Zora um, is made, is making an interjection here. Um, anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Um, but for England, you hear so much, oh, obviously the Sex Pistols because they were such the big commercial name. And then, you know, you people like Billy Idol and, and uh, and then the clash and you know whatever that came out of there you hear that but you're not hearing so much about the women over there you know and this actually had you know some some different you know they talked to uh, different members of the raincoats as well so at least you, you had other they had other female punk musicians from uh 
England that they were talking to, which I thought was a, a nice inclusion in the documentary. Uh, and they had a wide variety of uh, people that they had interviewed. So I think I, I highly recommend it, especially if you are, are into punk music. Cause it, but then it also, it points out like with the Joan Jett thing of really how they were so ahead of their time and how they ended up pushing these limits that influenced female musicians and punk musicians in general as time kind of went on. And how they just kind of haven't gotten the credit they deserve. Mm. Largely because they're women. As will happen. Yeah. Or as happens. <laughs> all the fucking time. Right, exactly. But, uh, yeah. So, that's my last one. Oh, well, cool. Well, hopefully yeah. there's... There's well, you you had a little bit more of a variety. I guess I did have my dishwasher documentary, but yeah, you know, Darren talked about political shit. Uh, <laughs> surprise. Um, not that yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm a bit more predictable in my extracurricular <laughs> media consumption. Um, Vanessa talked about true crime. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I mean, like, really? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, if and probably if you're listening to referral of slips, you are a more familiar with the two of us than uh, if you're just listening to one of our regular numbered episodes or if. I don't know what you would call it, the, the original style <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but speaking of original style. Yes. Coming up later this month. Yes. We are, I believe we've mentioned this before, mm -hmm. but for episode 24 of the VD Clinic, we will be doing... Joyce Carol Oates's short story, Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? A thing I first read on an assignment in college and something that if you haven't read it yet, you have never read before, Vanessa. Yes, I, I have had... not read before. Okay, it had not been read before. And I have not seen the movie before. The Treat Williams, Laura Dern movie adaptation from 1985 called Smooth Talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then in May. We have decided on our anniversary commentary. And um, again, we will be... Uh, Tackling Stephen King. <laughs> and you have seen this before, but it's been yes. quite some time. Yes, agreed. Okay. And Spawn of Canadian Satan will be, uh, as of, should be uh, joining us, and I know he has not seen it. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Um, do we want to announce that now, or do we want to wait till the end of April? No, we. I mean, we can say it now and remind okay. people then. Sure. So, 
1992. I may have the year wrong, but I've got the title right. Sounds about right, but I could be wrong. A little movie filled with all sorts of things. Um, (laughs) Um, things. Stephen King's Sleepwalkers, also known as Sonambulos. It is 92. You are correct, sir. It is 92. I just remembered this coming out when I still... I mean, I don't not see my older sister a lot anymore, but in 1992, it's very possible we were still living in the same house. So I feel like this came out when my older sister rented things. And this movie... (laughs) <laughs> this if, movie if, if you've not seen it you may if my memory serves correctly ah <laughs> uh, it'll be it's an interesting it's an interesting film i don't know what how much stuff was going over my head when i was you know 11 or however old i was when this came out but yeah uh a lot of stuff. There's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. Yes. Um, Let's leave it at that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's it. Oh, oh, oh VD Clinic Pod on the the, the social medias, twi- <laughs> Twitter and Instagram and VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com for emails. Come hang out in our Facebook group or, you know talk to us on on twitter or instagram i you get one of us on each one of those yes and i promise i'm gonna i i had to take a little pseudo break on twitter not that i'm like always super active but i just wasn't as even active as i normally am just because i was kind of like i i can't i just have too much going on in my life i need to uh, hold on and stop looking at something for a while. So, <laughs> so I wasn't really doing anything on the Twitters, but I'm starting again. So yeah. Anyway. Um, thank you, Zora. Zora says, yeah, you better tweet bitch. Um, yes. Zora presented, uh, ah, Zora, ow, uh, okay, is presenting claws right now. So I think that means it's time to wrap up the episode. All right. Well, <laughs> while Vanessa gets out the the betadine and the bandages, <laughs> I will say thank you to all of you and talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Stop. You little shit. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VD Clinic Pod or reach us via email at VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more.